0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge Illinois views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit wgnradiocom Behind the Badge. <laughs> Welcome to WGNRadio.com, a live stream version of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast coming to you live from the Blackhawks Convention 2019 alongside Scott King, the WGNRadio.com Blackhawks correspondent, NHL.com, the Chelsea Dagger. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio and coming up over the course of the next hour between now and one o'clock, we'll be joined by Blackhawks great Stu Grimson. The Grim Reaper. Also be joined by two new Blackhawks. The goaltender, Robin Leonard, as well as new defenseman, Oli Mata. So very much looking forward to that. Stu will be by in a couple of minutes. We want to thank everyone for joining us on the stream. And for those of you... Coming back on a Blackhawks Crazy Podcast uh, replay via the interweb. Thanks for giving us a listen. But great to be back here at the Blackhawks convention, Scott, one more time. And I- I'm kind of sensing after you know the-, the disappointment of what the team was coming off of a year ago compared to the way things built toward the course of the end of last season. There's kind of a new excitement and kind of a new buzz compared to a year ago on top of all the moves that Stan Bowman made over the offseason. Yeah, you're
1: exactly right, Chris. There's a lot of excitement, period, usually with the convention because the Hawks do such a good job of setting up interviews, autograph photo opportunities, and these creative... Fun panels. We just watched Bob Verde interview Patrick Kane before coming down here, and and my guy was at some funny, uh, great stuff from those guys. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of anticipation, not just from the fans here, about the offseason moves and what this team might be able to do, but we talked to the players last night at the media social, at the media event, and Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, these guys liked what Stan Bowman went out and and did, and, and they're
0: excited to get going. Yeah, I only talked to a handful of guys. I think you mingled around a little bit more, but what were some of the highlights, things that stood out, to you know you mentioned Kane and Taves and some of their thoughts on on what 's been done in the off season, but any highlight or or bullet point or two for for you from what you heard from some of these players, either with the media availability or the sessions on on uh you know what they're talking about you know heading here into the into the uh you know, a month away from training camp, a month plus away from training camp.
1: Well, as was expected, Andrew Shaw was a big topic, mm-hmm. his return here, not just to the convention, but the, the Hawks team. And look, Duncan Keith told me a long time ago that you, when Shaw was on the team, you need that noise. Sometimes things get quiet. You need a guy to kind of... Get under guys' skin or, or crack some jokes or be loud. And, but hey,
0: they're a little older and crankier. I know. Now, so I asked, I don't know how I that's asked Shaw work, about get that.
1: <laughs> I asked Shaw about that. I'm like, you know, you said you matured on the conference call after the trade. He goes, hey, I'm still the same guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he, he wants to make it clear that he's still going to play that role in the room as well. But uh, Patrick Kane was saying right before the trade, he had dinner with Shaw a couple nights before. So the guy was playing in Montreal and did really well there, had a career year, but he kind of never left. He still kept in contact with these guys. He's thrilled to be back. Uh, I know Brent Seabrook talked about having. Andrew back and how he's improved and he's an invaluable Role player, so guys, really excited about him. Uh, Callan Delia w- was really interesting last night. I don't know if you got a yeah, yeah. chance to talk to him. Just
0: toward the tail end, but uh, from, from what I understand, uh, some of the comments that he said, despite Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, uh, before the signing of Robin Leonard, who, again, we'll be visiting with, uh, about 1230 or so, we believe here, um, even before the signing of, of Robin Leonard, or since the signing, he's still counting himself among this goalie mix. And... I guess all he can do is what he uh, said publicly, and that is, I intend on battling for the starting position with this team.
1: Yeah, and that was clear to me, too, because just when I saw Colin Dealey, I saw a very uh, strong and scrappy Colin Delia, who who looked like he put on
0: some muscle. He wasn't just working on the leather chairs. Or no, like no, that. no,
1: it he wasn't. He's opening the shop in Pilsen that also came out of the availability with him. He's a super interesting guy. Always great to talk to. Uh, very philosophical about life, and, and you know, not getting down in this situation where they bring in a guy who was a Vesna finalist, and you're behind Corey Crawford on the depth chart. But he's uh, really looking forward to hitting those guys up as resources, and like you said, going to camp, thinking you know, I'm like everyone else. I got to try to get a starting job here.
0: It was also our opportunity as. As well to visit with the assistant coaches on the record for the only time during the course of the season and um along the goaltender situation jimmy waite saying you know he was kind of the communicator when the deal went down with robin leonard to be in touch with Corey crawford he loves the fact that they have a one and a one a or i'm not sure who's going to be the one or the one a that will play out over the course of the season but we had a chance to visit with him along with thomas meetle the new uh, coach from overseas and mark crawford uh Jeremy Carlton's coach's corner, if you will. Our buddy John Wideman uh, emceed that earlier this morning in one of the opening sessions of the morning. And uh, Mark Crawford, uh, I wish we could talk to him every day because he's a godsend. He kind of joked around that the only reason he was brought in is he, they wanted to add some gray hair to that coaching staff <laughs> since everyone else is under 40 years of age and kind of low on the coaching scale in terms of experience. But Mark Crawford has it all. He started his head coaching career about the same age that Jeremy Calton did, too, and I, I think that's almost as an important addition as any. You love what you've seen so far on the roster, filling up, you know, a couple of defensive positions that were necessary and filling up the bottom six, but having that voice of experience, uh, it, I think, is going to be invaluable to for a guy who's won Stanley Cups and has seen everything that you can possibly see in the NHL through his experience. And he's
1: coming into the Hawks system when Carlton's, you know, coming up on his sophomore year. He did a great job of turning things around here last year uh, getting three games within the playoffs and now he's got a full training camp. He's got a new coaching staff. he got a guy like Crawford who we've mentioned to pick his brain and, and Crawford's going to be pretty invaluable with uh, special teams as well. And uh, Calton obviously was a, a big topic last night and he talked to the media and he's really excited to get going and having that full training camp where he gets to uh, go over the system more with new guys, new additions to the team as, as well as the veterans. And the veterans, especially the core guys, talked about how much they do believe in Carlton's system and how they did buy in last year. And so I think everyone's ready to get going, and and it's going to be a really interesting year for Calton to see what we can do with a full year.
0: Again, welcome to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. You're listening to the live stream on WGNRadio.com. If you're listening to it live, otherwise, uh, thanks for clicking on us as the podcast becomes available after the live broadcast. Once again, for everyone who has joined us here, and I think uh, as we go along, the crowd will build up a little bit more, but Stu Grimson coming along momentarily. We'll also hear from Rob and Leonard over the course of the next hour, and Ole Mata, two of the new faces here. Let's talk about one of the old faces you You and I, earlier this morning, were in that session. It is just Patrick Kane one-on-one with the team historian Bob Verde. And one thing that just stands out, we know Patrick Kane is a great player, but how great is he in terms of having this memory that locks into any particular moment to his career, having that recall to exactly how a certain play unfolded, what was going on around it, and also just having that, that certain sense of humor and that, that that perfect pitch when it comes to identifying with fans. You know, we certainly hope Patrick's around another eight ten years here just based on what he can do on the ice. And it was, you know, his greatest statistical season last year. But I think something that's even more underrated from a fan standpoint, not to mention the media, is just how he is able to talk about just about anything and any moment throughout his career. And also... He's a guy who's just so much hooked on hockey, he can talk about any other teams or any other games you might want him to. Really entertaining session today, uh, this morning in the International Ballroom.
1: Yeah, that's a great point about Kane. Something you picked up on that panel is you might see those highlights you know, on YouTube or, or watching on TV, and they look even better in person. You might notice a little more in person, but what you don't get, and you know, guys are always asking us, what's this guy like in the locker room, what they really like, you, you don't get the, a sense of Kane's brain, how why he's so good, a huge part of it is that he knows where this guy's going to be. He knows where he's got to be. He has a good guess where the puck's going to be. It's his hockey IQ. is off the charts. And that's when I first started covering the team, something Chris Cook pointed out to me. is like, you just won't believe how this guy sees the game and how he talks about it. And he remembers opponent's uh, stats. It's like total stats. recall. It is. There's like a chip in his brain where he, he just sees everything on the ice and he remembers uh, his stats, guys on the team, his opponent's stats. So uh, always really interesting. He's really good at gauging a crowd, too, and kind of knowing what yeah. they want to hear and, yeah. and uh, being funny. So him and Verdi
0: again, were just great together. Yeah, and um, always, always also giving a little shot to some of his teammates as well, <laughs> not, not shy to uh, dish it out. I'm sure he receives it as well throughout the course of some of these sessions. But, uh, yeah, uh, what they have here, even today, you know, even the competition we're facing here because there are other things going on with, you know, uh, those that are involved in the uh, hockey ops and whatnot and uh, other panels as well. I'll have a panel a little bit later on uh, involving the top prospects over at the uh, Continental Ballroom. I'll uh, be alongside uh, Adam Boquist and Nicholas Bodan and Philip Kurashev. Chad Chris is in that uh, group as well. But,, uh, for the here and now, we are proud to be joined by the Blackhawks legend, but he played oh. for se- he played for seven other teams oh. or seven teams total in the franchise history, but I think in one sequence, your time with the Blackhawks from 1990 to 93 was a one longest sequence. Stu Grimson, thanks for joining us here at the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Great to see you. Love your work on NHL Network as well, and great to have you here. Well,
2: I'm glad to be here. I really am uh, thrilled. And, and, you know, it's true. It, it, not necessarily the team I was with the longest, the Blackhawks, but it was a three-year, a full three-year stretch. And I'll tell you what, this city, this uh, this fan base, this organization... Uh, always holds a special place in my heart, and for, for this reason. One, they fa- made me feel incredibly welcome when uh, 1991 was my first year here. And really, for me, I was kind of an up-and-down, in-between guy to that point. I'd been you know with the big club in Calgary a little bit, uh, but mostly in the minors. When I stepped into the Chicago Fl- – sorry, Blackhawks organization – I then became an everyday NHLer. I established myself here as an everyday NHLer, and, and I'm always really grateful for for this town, the way it embraced me, and for this organization for giving me for giving me that opportunity. And,
0: and even though you were a part of you know six other organizations, but when you walk in here annually at this time of year. You know, uh, you also spent a, a great deal of time in Nashville's booth for several years too. Yeah. So, um, but how, how much does walking in here every uh, weekend in July help yourself identify with the Blackhawks organization? Oh,
2: I, I think a lot. I mean, one, I'll say selfishly, it gives me a little background information <laughs> too, because you know, the more the more you can know an organization, the more you can know the the the. You know the depth of the players in an organization. Uh, you know it, it really allows you as a broadcaster doing what I do as an analyst on NHL Network. It 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 gives me a better understanding of you know the uh, the Central Division, the the way the Blackhawks shake out, uh, who's up and coming. You know what are the challenges? What are the the uh, the the optimistic points about this uh, this team uh, as it looks forward to the coming season. So there are a variety of reasons I love to come back here. Uh, selfishly, uh, Lou Malnati's is the first place I stop <laughs> when Jennifer and I get to town. Malnati's is the first place uh, in town. The got the, the the Lou loose, loose special. Is top of the lo- top tops of the list. It's solid. It's a good one. It is.
1: One of the interesting things about your career, Stu, is not only did you get what was even like unheard of back then—a five-year contract from Detroit for an enforcer—that is non-existent today, basically, because that role yeah. is not around anymore. And outside of that, I think it was Detroit had to match the Rangers' offer sheet for you. Good, I mean, good for you. You've yeah. done your homework, and it really was a rarity. <laughs> I mean,
2: um, you know, offer sheets are few and far between in in today. I mean, the fact that Sebastian Ajo got one uh this summer uh you know that's that's we can go six, seven or more years in some cases without seeing anybody tender an offer sheet on a player. And here's the, here's the other interesting aspect of that. When we talk about offer sheets, generally they are reserved for that rare moment when a team thinks they can pluck a Sebastian Ajo, an elite level player out of another team's organization. They don't use it on a ham and eggs guy like me, but they did all those years ago. And I think there was a little bit of internal rivalry going on there. Just to give folks the background, Neil Smith, had formerly been the director of player personnel with the Detroit Red Wings before he went to become the general manager of the New York Rangers. So Neil had drafted me when I was a Detroit Red Wing, when, uh, when I was first drafted. So we had a bit of a history. I had had a pretty good run with Detroit. We went to the Stanley Cup Finals against Jersey that year. And I think Neil really needed to kind of beef up his roster, uh, was hoping to kind of pluck me out of uh, out of Detroit. But uh, we were both very surprised when De- Detroit ended up, ended up matching. So.
0: Well, it, it's uh, along those lines, it's a different game in the 17 years since you were... It's even a different game in the 10 years since the Hawks won the first of these I three Cups. I think
2: that's fair to say. Yeah, and, yeah. And,
0: but you look at the two Cup finalists, and not only them, but the handful of teams that advanced at least one round in the spring's playoffs, and there is still a necessary element for physicality in this league, if not the the fisticuffs. And to that end, I wanted to ask you, this team only had three players with 100 or more hits last year. In the offseason, they added four players who had at least 97. Yeah along with doing some other things to fill out the bottom six what are your thoughts on on the moves that the Blackhawks made in the offseason in order to get back into the mix of, of a playoff in which they just missed by six points last year
2: yeah I, I think they've uh, they've gone a long ways towards uh, you know kind of uh, for lack of a better term kind of beefing making themselves a little bigger a little more bored sturdy uh, you know capable of winning more puck battles I think last year's postseason taught us a lot about the game you know you can get away with um, you know, uh, y- l- let me put it this way. I-, I think perhaps the Tampa Bay Lightning are the best example of this. There's a team that is built for great success during the regular season. But come the postseason, uh, we recognize they really had their hands full where the Columbus Blue Jackets were concerned. Columbus Blue Jackets. Banged those guys hard, gave those guys very little space, and play, played really a St. Louis Blues style brand of hockey to ultimately overwhelm and overcome the Tampa Bay Lightning. To me, if you're going to you know, if you're going to enjoy success through the regular season and then on into the postseason, you gotta be kind of a, a hybrid. And I think this is kind of where Stan Bowman and the Chicago Blackhawks are pointed. Yes, you want to be able to generate offense. Yes, you want to be able to score off the rush. But, you know, from time to time, remember how St. Louis did it. From time to time when it's not going your way, you kind of need to tap into that heavy, grinding, possession-style game where you're playing, you know, one and sometimes two full shifts in the other team's end and wearing that team down and generating momentum. Tampa didn't seem to have that in its arsenal, couldn't draw from that, but uh, the St. Louis Blues, by contrast, could. I think that's where the Blackhawks are headed, and I think an astute move, I think a wise move.
1: Something I wanted to ask you about is it always seems like enforcers are really kind of interesting guys, and there's a lot going on behind the scenes. We like, have our exceptions.
2: <laughs> like any rule, there are exceptions. Well, look,
1: yeah. you're, you're, you have a law degree. You're, you're a great analyst on the NHL Network. John Scott has a mechanical engineering degree. Like yeah. I don't think yeah. p- people a lot of times don't want to realize or talk about how fascinating these guys are. I, I guess was that your take in general, playing in a league for so many years? Well, we sit there
2: for long, long stretches on the bench, right? We've got all this time to kind of contemplate other things <laughs> in our lives, so why not make, it, why not make effective use of that time? Exactly, right? o- exactly. Over 2,000 right. penalty minutes is a lot of time to think in a box. I think we get it, yeah. <laughs> it's a life. It's a lifetime, really. you got an opportunity to cultivate a whole other career while you're over there in that tiny little cubicle. No, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think guys in my role, we have this kind of there there's something about them. They they have recognized, hey, I may not have all the, the physical tools necessarily to be a, you know, to be a great goaltender, to be a, a forty goal guy. You've got to find other ways to contribute. And I think to me that mindset kind of uh you know evokes in me a notion, well, these are guys that are fairly thoughtful, they're fairly considered insofar as um I got to find a way to to contribute, and and you know I, I think you you end up being just a little more uh, creative, proactive where you know where where life more generally is concerned. So it, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought though. It, it, we get that a lot. We he, really do. He mentioned
0: you, you you went back to school after you retired and got the yeah. la- got a law degree. Are yeah. you still practicing and you got your hand in I, that anymore?
2: I, n- well, I am practicing law. I'm licensed to practice in Tennessee. I'm corporate counsel for a company called Third Home, uh, and I'm also doing a business development piece. I'm VP of business development slash corporate Counsel with third home, but I don't litigate. Ding, ding,
0: ding, ding, ding. ding.
2: (laughs) I don't litigate anymore. I did, uh, for five years, uh, soon after, uh, hockey was over. I litigated with a firm in Nashville and that was a, that was a terrific, uh, professional experience, but not one I would want to do for 20, (laughs) 25, 30 years of my life. I've seen, I've seen some folks that have been doing it for a while and the, the law will chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. Well, But I I really like where I am. I'm in-house counsel now. I really like... being able to kind of balance that with my NHL Network piece, and you know, kind of straddle the fence in some way, still one one foot on the hockey side of the fence. I love staying connected to the game. A couple days escape out of Nashville, the Secaucus, New Jersey, doesn't Ex- hurt
0: anybody, right? Sunny,
2: exotic Sicacus, <laughs> New, New
0: Jersey.
1: Jersey. Exactly. You ever uh, ever negotiate a podcast contract? <laughs> <laughs> <ever do> <laughs>
2: uh, never have, never have. We talk. Uh, to, I would consider doing so. We, we'll here's here's touch. my here's my card. We'll be in touch. Uh, you know, obviously,
0: the mo of this organization. is is to get back to the playoffs. We talked about some of the moves. But I think the more interesting and more complicated scenario with all of this is when you look at this division. On paper, are the Blackhawks the six points they needed last year better to get into the playoffs than they were last year, or ten points better? I think that's very possible. But then you look at what they're up against – You have the defending Stanley Cup champs. You have a Colorado team that you know has a very bright future, if not good right now, very good right now. You have a Dallas team that made some improvements. And we haven't even mentioned the first and second place teams from last year. I don't know if there's a sense in Nashville or even in Winnipeg with the deductions that they've had to make whether that window might be closing compared to what it was. But you have to leapfrog over... I you mean, know, gosh. a team or two and, and actually hope the, the wild, both wild cards yeah. come from the Central once you, again. You
2: look at the top five from the Central last year, and honestly, I, I would even lump the Colorado Avalanche into this. It is entirely possible any of those five teams could have gone on a long, deep run, and it's no surprise your eventual Stanley Cup winner did come out of the Central Division. It's just that strong. It's just that deep. And as much as... I, I share your point of view. As much as we We like the improvements that the Chicago Blackhawks have made. Uh, You know, uh, chief case in point is at the goaltending position. Um, You know, I I think we all hope that Crow has tears off 60 to 65 games and is healthy all year long. But Robin, Robin Leonard as, you know, for lack of a better term, a safety valve, especially kind of the year that he had. That's a fantastic position to be in and a nice upgrade at that specific important position. But, you know, in in spite of all that, you know, to your point again, gosh, the rest of the division is really they were strong last year and they'd made some some nice. I mean, take Nashville. I mean, the the one area I thought Nashville um, had had the most concern, they really have seemed to have shorn up this year. Going out and getting Matt Duchesne and perhaps bumping somebody like Kyle Turris down to the number three center position, I think you're you're built a lot better for regular and postseason success if you're Nashville with that that specific transaction alone.
1: I want to ask you, uh, did you kind of missed that generation of where guys started studying fights on HockeyFights.com. Yeah. Maybe by a few years. Are, are you glad you did? Because I can imagine that would just add to a lot of. Nerves and anxiety, sizing up your guys.
2: Yeah, honestly, and that's more to my. I think the way my mind works too, because if I've got the opportunity to do it, if I've got the time to do it, I will spend all kinds of time, you know, researching and maybe I I would consider it over preparing. Um, In my day, you know, you kind of. You'd go through the collection of of VHS tapes in the coach's office, and you would fast forward or rewind to get to, you know, the the future combatant you're going to face, kind of trying to learn some of his tendencies. Towards the end of my career, it's kind of like I knew what I needed to know about just about everybody that was in the game, or if not... You can get a pretty good breakdown from anybody on your team, so I tended not to spend a lot of time doing that. But I, I kind of am glad that I didn't grow up in this generation where, you know, I, I can I can look at you know I can look at clips going back to the AHL or to this kid's major junior <laughs> career if I wanted to really get you know a good a good breakdown on him.
0: Stu, thanks for stopping by. We really thanks appreciate. It. Great to visit it's with you again. My work on NHL Network. Love watching you guys uh, break all things down. And uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Hit lose if you. You haven't already. Okay. Uh,
2: I I have once. Ready? I really should. Doctors <laughs> doctors orders. Stu, please, just once, just once. And as uh,
0: <laughs> thanks very much. And as uh, six six enforcer makes his way off the stage, he'll probably cross bass with. Six foot four goalie, the new uh, goaltender of the Chicago Blackhawks, Robin Leonard, will join us here momentarily. But Stu Grimson joining us here on set as we uh, prepare to uh, introduce ourselves and get acclimated to uh, one of the new Chicago Blackhawks, and you know, in all, in all argument, the biggest off-season signing and the biggest surprise of what uh, Stan Bowman was able to. Pull off uh, during the course of, uh, since the season ended, the first uh, week of April. Uh, Robin Leonard, second in the NHL this past season with a 930 save percentage. Three of the last four years, Robin's had a 920 save percentage or better. He was also third in the league with a 2.13 goals against average in the one season with the uh, New York Islanders. And he also celebrated his 28th birthday earlier this week so we also get the opportunity to say happy birthday to robin leonard robin chris Bowden, scott king thanks for joining us on the blackhawks crazy podcast as well as joining all the fans in front let's hear it for blackhawks new goaltender robin leonard joining us here in thanks for joining us yes, thank you very much how are you doing how, so what what how, what are your early impressions of being a
3: blackhawk in person with all the uh, all the crazy fans here this weekend no, i mean <laughs> it's pretty cool uh been a few teams right now and this is not anything any, any other team does. They take it to another level, don't they? Well, yeah. uh, do you have a sense of, of
0: uh, just to kind of get a sense of how quickly this all happened with you, if someone had told you a month ago, what's today, the 27th, a month ago today, June 27th, that you're going to end up being a Blackhawk, what, what would your reaction have been? I don't think, I don't think that things were rolling in this direction even at that point. Were they
3: had a July 1st free agency? No, no, uh, definitely not. Uh, well, everyone thought it was going to be an Islander, so but uh, you know, as soon as I got the call from Stan, you know, it felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. It happened pretty quick. Yep. Good.
1: I wanted to ask you about your speech um, at the NHL Awards when you won the Masterton Trophy. I thought it was so well put and, and very articulate, and, and I'm sure meant a lot to a lot of people. You said, "I'm not ashamed to say I'm mentally ill, but that doesn't mean mentally weak." And you've gone out of your way to talk about the issues you've had and, and try to help other people i guess when did you put that that speech together and and, and want to word it that way and convey that message
3: uh, i gotta be honest i i didn't really put something together it's just something uh me and a bunch of guys are kind of and a lot of people around the world are kind of trying to uh work towards you know uh, trying to get everyone understanding that uh, everyone thinks it's a small small portion of a society that deals with mental issues and it's really the majority of us. It's not in the in the minority. It's the majority of everyone's dealing with something. Mm-hmm. And if it's uh, but what I have, like being being bipolar, but like you talk about depression or anxiety or, you know, just financial issues or if it's uh, uh, things for your wife or whatever it might be, you know, everyone deals with something that affects your mental health. And uh, just trying to keep putting the message out that... Uh, it's very normal. Everyone deals with something, you know, and uh, that's how we're going to kind of attack everything. You had a
1: wonderful uh, Players' Tribune article, too, and, and, you, and you're very honest and open in interviews. How much has that, that meant to people? I'm sure you hear from a lot of fans, probably of every team all the time, that, that maybe that's even changing
3: their lives. No, for sure. I think it's just uh, it's just important to talk about it because uh, people don't talk about it. That's the issue. Uh, people are ashamed to talk about their issues, but as soon as some, someone opens uh, opens the door, then the next person jumps in and the next person jumps in that's kind of how you know and that's how people start sharing ideas and sharing what they do to to get better and get other people to understand to yeah maybe I should go and get help it's no problem with that and it changes your life so um, it's important to me to be open and transparent about it because I don't care what people know about me it's uh, it's really I'm a normal person no one's going to be able to see okay yes these things because most people don't understand what these mental issues are yeah. you know it's uh, it's all a, a picture that kind of media and whatever that's kind of painted and so we're very uneducated about it we all we all have our stuff that we're, yeah.
0: we're dealing with to, to to varying degrees and thank you for your for your courage in doing that and i would imagine a year ago a little more than a year ago In terms of opening yourself up to, you know, make yourself an open book, that would have been impossible. And and when that process was going on a year ago, were you amazed as you you got one answer to one thing, how that led to a solution to another thing that you perhaps did know or didn't know that you had and how it was all kind of a puzzle that all fit together?
3: Yeah, I mean... uh, Yeah, you're you're kind of correct there. You know, okay. the biggest issue, uh, in my opinion, I've seen it with a lot of people, and it was me. Is like most people, and me included, we don't dare to kind of take that step. And most people loses everything before they get help. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people goes rock, rock bottom, on. rock bottom, loses everything. And I've seen so many people lose everything. And I was lucky enough; I didn't lose everything. I didn't lose my family. Uh, which I'm blessed, and I didn't lose. Uh, I didn't sec- got a second chance on uh, on my job and my life. And uh, But most people lose everything, and that's why it's important to kind of attack it as early as possible because it, when it starts spiraling, it goes fast.
1: I think a lot of people would assume that signing a one-year contract would be very nerve-wracking. But in talking to you a little bit, I think it, it also sounds liberating because you're just worrying about this one year you're not worrying about your whole future it's easy to worry about what's
3: right in front of you no 100 percent. i mean i'll be lying if i didn't want a, a longer term deal but i wanted a longer term deal in long island because i felt that uh, uh i proved to them uh how stable i was and uh where i you know how serious i take uh, my journey and all the th- things i have in place and uh so they should have seen that that wasn't an issue uh but when it comes to a new team, I like the deal because they don't know me yet. It's up to me to kind of show them how uh, how, I'm, how I'm doing with things, and I'm in the best point of my life. It's I have no no issues with signing a one one year deal. I just turned 28. Uh, feel really good on the ice, and I have still a lot of things to improve upon. And I'm I'm good. And that mindset and that psyche, I'm sure, would have been impossible for you a year ago, right? No, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wasn't in the best uh, place in my head and, you know, was uh, doing my own things to make (laughs) it feel better, you know. So now it doesn't work like that, so.
0: As you sought a new employer a year ago, Mm -hmm. when, when, you know, uh, this difficult process was over with and you had, Mm -hmm. you know, almost begun a new life, uh, you mentioned in that uh, athletic article about. when you were interviewing with other teams, they would, they would come at you and start doubting you and start asking questions before you finally latched on, uh, with the Islanders. You've Mm -hmm. since built your, your firewalls up around you so that that doesn't matter to you anymore. Nevertheless, when the Hawks came to you, how important was it to them that, you know, I don't even know if they even, even brought anything like that up and how much did that impress
3: you and, and, convince you to come here? No, I mean, a bunch of things convinced me. I mean, I think I had a good conversation with Stan and with the coach, uh, I love, I love Chicago ever since I got into the league. Uh, one of my favorite cities to come and play in. Uh, obviously, the team. Uh, I really like the team. Uh, uh, some of the best players in the uh, in the league in this team. So, um, those were the things. But what was refreshing for me is, yeah, it wasn't a lot of talk about all the other yeah. things. So it was like, yeah, you had to. We believe in you as a goaltender. We believe in your capabilities. we, we believe you can make our team better. I mean, that's the things that I wanted to hear, so uh, I've been going since after the season in Long Island, we started like a two-month due diligence phase into everything, which they already saw for a whole year, Yeah, because I was so open, that's why I'm so open about it, but, you know, they wanted to turn it into a thing, and it's up to them, and I have no bad feelings about it, because... This is what I'm trying to fight against. That's just how the corporate world works. No, it's just just how it works. It's 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 life right now. Unfortunately, in society, it's how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, you you use things in negotiations, and you can use my my transparency against it. It's it's just how it is. It's, uh, um, you know, when you negotiate a contract or something for an employee or whatever, you try to take whatever to kind of use it to your benefit. So
1: the fans are really excited about you and cory being a great goalie tandem have you had any communication with Corey yet i know he just got married and how do you see your guys relationship playing out
3: yeah no i've been uh, i've been texting with him a little bit uh i'm sure i meet him here in the next uh, uh week or so no i i only heard great things about him and as i said since i signed here i think he's uh one of the most underrated goalies in the league he, i think he's been one of the best in the league since pretty much since he broke into the league but uh that's just uh, it's just a thing like with certain types of goalies, I, I don't think he's a flashy goalie. And I'm not a flashy goalie, so uh, a lot of times the flashier goalies in the league are the ones that gets most of the hype, so it's uh but he's, I, I, I believe he's one of the better goalies in the league. It's gonna be fun for me to to play with him. Uh you gotta learn a lot of a lot of things from him and it's gonna be I mean, it's gonna be good competition. What what lessons can you hopefully
0: carry over from what you had with Thomas Grice this past year with the Islanders uh, that that you can you can bring into this. Yeah, I, I would guess you kind of anticipate the same thing happen if someone goes on a red hot tear. It's their net for a little while, but you know, depending on how the schedule goes, or if if someone needs a breather, there's another opportunity for for
3: uh, for you to come in as. No, it probably I mean, was with uh, Thomas last year. Yeah. No. I mean, it, last year it was. We were splitting last year a little bit, and I don't even like that word. We because we weren't going every other game, as you said. You know, some I played well for for some time, and then he got in the head, and he played some well. You know, it kind of went back and forth, but the splitting only happened because we we're both performing. Mm. If, and professional if, about if, it too. Yeah, yeah, but if if I wasn't playing well, I wasn't playing. Right. It wasn't like they were going back and forth on yeah. a command. It wasn't determined. They um, we were both performing, and it gave our coach an opportunity to to put in any one of us in any situation that he felt like uh, so he could uh, kind of you know uh, he could plan it a little bit better to kind of make sure that we were uh rested and uh, ready to go and especially down the stretch so uh, it's been like that the whole time and since i've been in the league you know if you perform you get your chance just how it works so uh, and i know this team wants to Make, go back to the playoffs, and that's why I came here too. Because I know that's the ball is in my court. If I perform, I'm probably going to get be able to play. If we're both performing, it's going to be a, a really good uh, good problem Let's for this Jeremy's team to have. T-
0: Jeremy's job tougher. No, but it's, it'll,
3: it'll be it won't be it won't be tougher. You know, in, in the end of the day, we as long as we're winning. And I've learned this uh, as you mature into the into the league, as long as you're winning, if you play or you don't play it's just fun to be around a winning uh, a winning team Mm -hmm. so you just got to support each other and whatever happens happens and i've i've learned too you i always love my goalie partners really so you you if you're not playing, you can't be mad at the goalie part. You'd be mad at coach. You know? <laughs> he's the one that <laughs> he's the one that decides it. So that's right. it's uh, it's all good. Yeah.
1: You just mentioned kind of recognizing that the team wanted to head in a direction when they're in the postseason again. Mm-hmm. And you were obviously the biggest signing of the off season. But you know before you and after you, they're they're going out and getting guys who can play up the middle. They're they're loading up on defense. How good is that to see when a team is making several moves that they think is going to put themselves in a better position? You know, right around the time that you're going to
3: be on that team. No, but. I mean that was a big part too why I uh why I wanted to come here so bad because I I saw the move they did with Olimata and Calvin Dahan, two great defensemen. Olimata is I think two times Stanley Cup champion, twenty five years old, played against Calvin Dahan uh uh for a long time, very good de- defenseman so obviously they, they know they gotta get a little bit better defensively because uh, but uh you know, talking to coach uh, and uh, to a lot of guys in the team, you know, everyone kind of want to take that step to kind of tighten the sh- uh, tighten things up, and uh, you know, there's enough firepower here, anyway. So,
0: how familiar are you with any of your any new teammates? Maybe Zach Smith. You played yeah, with Zach him a Smith.
3: Bit uh, yeah, good friends with him. I mean, I know a couple of the guys, but uh, Zach's good friend. Uh, I know Alex nylander a little bit mm, from right. the Buffalo well. days. Uh, incredibly, I thought it was a. You know, I thought it was a really, really good trade. Uh, Alex hasn't gotten a, ch- a good chance, and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was drafted by Tim Tim Murray, and then after that year, you know, he got fired, and new management comes in. Right. It uh, Sometimes uh, players get uh, locked in a position, and I saw, look at Alex last year. He came in and has a fantastic f- uh, camp, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be his year that he's going to get a chance. He had a fantastic camp, scored a bunch of goals, and then he gets sent down for the whole year. Yeah. Uh, but uh, obviously, Alex knows that uh, he has certain things that he got to get better at too. But he's incredibly skilled, and uh, you know, in the right setting, I think he can be be-, uh, be better than his brother.
0: Yeah, and and just talking to him, he took the opportunity. He didn't have to come to development camp. Nope. last week, and and he wanted to show the Blackhawks a little bit something. And he seems to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. No, he That's does. It.
3: He does. I mean, he he's a guy that should uh, that probably should be uh, been playing in NHL already, but. Uh, you know, it's not not only everyone else's fault. He, he has a few things he needs to do, uh, but uh, he has an incredibly high ceiling.
0: Well, you were just talking about Ole Mata. He's coming on next, succeeding you. Again, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Thanks for being so open as well and helping people out yeah. there who, who may need it and may not be aware of it. Welcome to Chicago. Look forward to uh, working with you all season long. Absolutely. Thank Robin you very much. Leonard, joining Thank us you. here thanks on the Blackhawks Crazy it, Podcast. As, uh, we're happy to have him join us. And uh, he will be there with Corey Crawford, the uh, the newlywed, Corey Crawford, as the Blackhawks uh, goalie tandem here this season as we continue on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Again, hello to everyone listening on the WGNRadio.com live stream, as well as to everyone visiting us here at uh, Salon A at the <coughs> Blackhawks convention. Super impressive guy there, Scott, in terms of uh, yeah, not only the numbers that he put up last year, but the reason, part of the reason that he put up those great numbers is overcoming not only one obstacle, but a series of obstacles that he had and being so open about it, too. Yeah, I mean, it's how many people do? do you
1: know exactly just, just in life? Like, you know, for people who have a regular job just in the office who are just completely honest, just talk about what's going on in their life, how they feel about it, and he's, you know, a high-profile athlete doing that. So great talking to him for sure.
0: Yep, and uh he mentioned uh, one of the additions that he was excited about was uh the acquisition, the uh after the trade with the Pittsburgh Penguins with uh, for Oli the defenseman who now comes over. He is all of uh what, 25 years old next month and all he has done is play in 362 regular season games and 69 playoff games. He's raised the cup over his head a couple of times as well. Oli, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, Robin Leonard, your your new teammate, uh, was also the last goalie that you faced as a member of the Pittsburgh <laughs> Penguins in that playoff series last year uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, how difficult did uh, was he to play against and and uh, you know watch your teammates go up against in that series and being a factor in that series? Even though the Islanders did a nice job of. Kind of shoring up their their defense as well under Barry Trotz.
4: Yeah, well, I'm just excited. He's uh, he's being my back now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he he played really good. I mean, I mean, he was really tough to tough to score, and I, I think he showed. Um, and uh, like I said, I'm I'm just excited having having him on my team now.
0: Well, again, welcome to Chicago, and I'm sure uh, he's excited to have you as a teammate too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now you're joining us here in Chicago, but I guess I just wanted to ask you about what we're what was playing on those two uh, champion teams like, uh, championship teams like championship teams like in Pittsburgh how was that experience for you overall
4: oh um, awesome I mean I mean some of the guys the core group here has been has been through it and and uh, it's just you have that feeling that nothing can stop you I mean I mean when you when you get the right right group of guys and you you get you get the flow flow going I mean every game you go into you you kind of know that you're gonna win it and even if you lose one game, you know you're going to win the next one. You're, just, you're just in, that, in that flow state, I think, the whole, whole season. It's so, it's so much fun just showing up to the rink and go, going to work with the guys. Taves and Crosby have, have drawn a
1: lot of comparisons over the years. I guess, what was Sydney like as a captain?
4: Um, awesome. Yeah, Awesome guy. And, you know, what stands out that every day he comes to work he's he's always he doesn't take days off i mean every time he steps on the ice he tries his hardest and he pushes other guys because he when he when he's doing that much work even in a practice day you, you just have to you have to do it yourself i think he's a he's a really good good leader as an example and at the same time he's uh he's just a normal guy i mean he he takes everybody into consideration
1: did you get to know jonathan playing against him every now and then the last few years did you have an impression of taves coming in here
4: well, yeah, yeah. I have heard of things, and obviously, what I've uh, played against him, he's he's really tough to play against. He he has the uh, really really similar similar game as uh, Sid does. I, I think he plays both ways really hard. He's uh, really responsible, uh, and uh, he's really tough to play against. He, he battles hard, and and that's uh, that's. That's probably the biggest thing I remember about that. Yeah, the Hawks kind of had Pittsburgh's number
0: during your whole time there. I don't. Know if you, I think the Hawks have like a 10-year winning streak against the Penguins as well. So uh, so how many more cups you got in you? You got two already? You're only going to be 25 next month? How, how many more can we expect here? I, I hope a couple more. <laughs> we hope so too. Um, you debuted in the NHL at age uh, 19, uh, and the Blackhawks currently have three real impressive defensive prospects in the 18- to 20-year-old range as well Um, that may be, you know, a year or two away. But what were the keys for you and maybe some advice that you would give uh, in order to work into playing such an important role in the best league in the world at such a young age? How, How were you able to do that? Was there, you know, maybe an intimidation factor to begin with? Or did you... Start right off the bat, you know,
4: a real confident kid. Well, I think everything is just so new when you when you step in. What I remember from that season, I just I wasn't expecting anything really. I my expectation was that I was going to a training camp and then maybe playing a junior the rest of the season. But just things start start falling in places and and started a couple feeling, injuries too, I think, right along yeah, the way too. Yeah, yeah. Just started feeling good, and I think you gotta you gotta thank the guys that uh, the group in the locker room that took me. Took me in well, so I, I think I think that's a big thing. But for a younger guy coming in, I think just not, not overthinking, and taking day by day, and just enjoying it. I think that was a, that was a big thing about it. Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm sure part of that leadership group helped you keep a level head, saying kid, kid, you're doing fine, and and uh, you know, uh, kind of reduce that intimidation factor if there was any to begin with, too.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think everybody knows here what it's what it's like to step in the locker room, and uh, especially. Especially the older guys, it seems like it seems like they know how uh, how intimidating it might be for a young kid to come in. They're uh, they're really good to me. I, I think in a in a hockey team, the whole whole league, there's uh, everybody's been been through it, so they they know how much help and uh, how much support uh, those younger guys need.
1: There were four seasons where you blocked at least hundred shots. Is that still going to be a, a big part of your game? You think, and how much of a toll can that take on your body when you're playing?
4: Well, yeah, it's, it's part of it, especially when you play penalty kill. Uh, I think that's where the, most of the shot blocks come from. Um, uh, I think I think you obviously you don't you don't always want to do it do it, but you want to be in a good position that the guy doesn't even get a shot off. But it happens sometimes. Sometimes you just gotta you, you gonna eat it, uh, and uh, it, it's a big it, it's a big part of the game, and it's a big part of the penalty kill. Like I said, were you surprised when? I you got the call that, that uh, you were coming to Chicago. I was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually, I actually heard it from my friend the first time because the time difference. It's always from the friend. Yeah. Always <laughs> probably checking social media. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing nowadays, right? <laughs> it's really hard to keep these things uh, secret until uh, until they actually actually come out when you want them to come out. Uh, I think it happened at night, at mm-hmm. two to three three a.m. of. Uh, and you were overseas time. at the time. Yes. Right? Yeah, okay. Yes. So. Finish time. So I was sleeping by the time, and they. <laughs> They made the trade and obviously Good morning, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> obviously they tried to call me and, and when I finally woke up my friend I, I didn't check my phone. My my friend told me, Hey, uh holy oh, I think I trade it. <laughs> I'm like, What what where? Chicago. I'm like oh shit. <laughs> went to grab my when to, to grab my phone. <laughs> Went to grab my phone. I, I saw it. I'm like, oh man! All right, here we go. And you just keep calling. The day was. Well, I uh, hope
0: you weren't cussing once you find out. It was. It was Chicago, though. I so. think I'm lucky. Okay, I, <laughs> think, I think I'm really lucky. This want more, to straighten that. Yeah, up. yeah. Hey, hey, Robin was talking about some of the things that he has overcome over the course of the past year. And and five years ago, at the age of 20, uh, you had a cancerous tumor removed from your thyroid. And uh, all it does is keep you out for two weeks. But but take us through that experience. Uh, where, where Did you have any premonition that things weren't right? I know it was, I think, identified in your training camp physical or something like that. And uh, did you have any premonition, something that serious might be wrong? And then, you know, uh, how amazing was it was that you were only sidelined for two weeks before you were able to re- resume NHL
4: play? Yeah, I think I got to thank the medical staff in Pittsburgh for that um i really i really had no idea uh, i came to a training camp they just found a lump in my uh in my throat and uh started doing some testing i they, they weren't too cons- concerned about it they just wanted to make sure that nothing's wrong and it ended up being ended, ended up being a, a cancerous tumor and it wasn't wasn't nothing too bad really but obviously when you when you hear the word cancer it always shocks you and it's uh it's a scary thing but but for me i think i'm lucky i I don't even consider I can I can uh, compare myself to the, what other people are going through. What what I had it was a pretty simple simple uh, operation, and it didn't take too much to too much out of me. And now just uh, with the medication I get a, I get to take, we've been playing around a little bit with it just to just to get it right and start feeling feeling okay again. So it's uh, it's been good. Well, congratulations! Yeah, get that done quickly too.
1: Yeah, you're talking about that experience like it was like it was nothing, you know. But I'm sure it was a lot to go through. And when you do go through something like that, how much does it kind of just make things and your thoughts smaller on the ice? That that's all that's not a big deal, you know?
4: Yeah. um, Obviously, like I said, it's it's uh, for me the first when you when you hear that you you start thinking all all kinds of things and what could happen, what, what is that? But more and more time went through and I talked to people and. What I, what I found out is it wasn't as bad as uh as it could have been that that it's all it's all good it's gonna it's gonna be fine so uh, and uh, like there wasn't there wasn't much much else to it we just went through the operation that was it so I, I think for me I was just lucky we got we got it in uh, such an early phase so so nothing was really going on but but it just got me thinking what other people are going through how scary it is for for them and. Um, And I just consider myself pretty lucky with that.
0: Well, uh, as we wrap up here with you, you're going from one ringer of a division in the Metropolitan where it was (laughs) seemingly a war every night going up against some of those teams as a Pittsburgh Penguin, you now come to the Central Division, you have the defending Stanley Cup champs there. You have uh, several teams that are loaded where, you know, the Hawks last year finished just six points out of a playoff spot, but they finished in sixth place in their division. Uh, What are your thoughts on what you see around the Central Division landscape and the challenge that's ahead uh, despite the excitement of all, all the new faces that you have coming here,
4: yeah, it's a tough division. I, I actually started looking at it a little bit. I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> it's, 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 it's gonna be it's gonna be a welcome to the central. Yeah, right? it's gonna be a great season for sure. I mean, I think last couple of seasons, you used in a metropolitan, it's been a pretty tight race. I, I don't know, last year maybe wasn't as as, uh, as tight as it used to be, but now looking at this, it's. Uh, so there's no there's no easy games yeah. it's it's gonna be a dogfight every night going out there yeah gotta
0: be gotta be ready well Oli welcome to Chicago thanks for joining us here looking forward to seeing uh your edition on the ice and uh yeah looking forward to a great season ahead awesome thanks Ollie guys Limata, joining us here on the thanks, Blackhawks Crazy Podcast want to thank him for uh stopping by along with uh Robin Leonard uh as well as uh Stu Grimson so uh And and for everybody for stopping by here as we wrap up here over the next couple of minutes. And uh, uh, Scott, I think, introducing ourselves and them introducing us to everyone who's here joining us here. A couple of really impressive guys who have overcome some obstacles. Only very lucky that uh, his only happened a short amount of time. But I think some of these, uh, you know, you talk about adding character guys, whether it's what they've been through on the ice or off the ice. Another couple of impressive guys who have joined the roster here. And uh, I, I think... It shouldn't It shouldn't be diminished what some of these hurdles and obstacles that guys have had to go through, what that kind of brings to a team at times, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we just heard all about it. You know, character guys, team guys, no matter what's going on, they're going to do what's best for the team. If that's getting themselves better physically or mentally, they're going to jump through all the hoops to do that. And look, you know, this is, this, these conventions and, and things like that are a lot of fun, but it's a, it's long hours. It's a lot of fan interaction. I always want to ask guys, do, do you get a treatment on your hand after signing hundreds of autographs or a thousand? <laughs> I, you know, sit I down. mean Guys who use their hands, <laughs> I don't know what they do, but they're they're uh, really really care about the fan experience here and giving them the best. So yeah, team guys that will do whatever it takes.
0: Yeah, and uh, we've had we talked earlier as we opened here, we had a chance to talk to uh, some of the players we hadn't heard up until yesterday uh, on Friday uh, the opening of the convention. We hadn't heard from Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane all summer long since some of these moves were made. I think maybe we'll put together between now and the start of training camp a couple of more podcasts so we can bring that to the audience. And also hear from the assistant coaches. As we said, we we don't get a chance to talk to them on record. I had a chance to uh, catch up with Mark Crawford and and Jimmy Waite for a while on Friday. So uh, we'll probably, uh, you know, uh, tape and paste together a couple more podcasts before the start of training camp. I think this is our... uh, no off days or no off weeks as Bill Belichick would say from from some other sport uh, we got to put together a couple more podcasts and before training funny camp funny you should
1: mention Belichick I was going to say you know this is our Super Bowl the convention <laughs> podcast but we're not done yeah. we still got more to throw in the can and, and get to the fans
0: yeah and uh, again hearing some, some voices as we head into training camp a lot of excitement we talked earlier about kind of the excitement level this year compared to a year ago with how this team ended up and yeah, there, there was no like Intermission or between periods, so you can get some food. Uh, I, I'm disappointed we didn't see you snarfing down some some grub here. So. Did you,
1: do you want me to bring food to the show <laughs> no, while I'm interviewing okay. guests? Just welcome them to Chicago that way I'm by just, showing them all the food not, we have. Not just look, looking
0: <laughs> looking over to you and, and seeing uh, that there's there's not some food. You should have seen that? me trying to eat the
1: uh, media spread while typing up uh, transcribing. It's a, a, bunch a challenge.
0: Of quotes. You have you have to you have to multitask, and it doesn't always look things. pretty, as we know. All right, that's a wrap for this edition of our Blackhawks Crazy Podcast live from the Blackhawks Convention on WGNRadio.com. We have many things to pass along. First of all, to uh, Marlene Wells for putting this all together from the WGN radio staff, as well as to Andy Phillips, who's spinning the dials. Our producer, Curtis Koch, who will uh, put our podcast version together as well. Nick Imperio, Melissa Kwiatkowski, thanks for joining us and giving some help on the live stream. Uh, thanks as well to the Blackhawks Media Relations staff for uh, putting it together, allowing us to visit with Stu Grimson, with Robin Leonard, and to Ole Mata, also, uh, thanks to the Hilton Chicago for being great uh, hosts for all these guests once again. To you listeners in person and uh, online and those getting it on our uh, podcast by subscribing to uh, the Blackhawks Crazy podcast on iTunes. And um, also want to remind everyone to uh, subscribe to our Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Blackhawks Crazy. Any final thoughts here? Uh, any sessions you're going to try and get to here before it wraps up roughly 24 hours?
1: I'm I'm disappointed I missed you doing the uh, locker room auction. How'd that go?
0: It went, went very well. That's why I'm a little hoarse today because right. we, had to, we had to do the, uh, I got 200 the, auctioneer, 200 the auctioneer's <laughs> voice. But, uh, yeah, I it went that. very well. They were given away. Uh, this was Friday evening, and it continues every day. The Blackhawks equipment staff has uh, game-used items from skates to sticks to gloves to jerseys, and people very generous in uh, making their bids. That was uh, a good time on on Friday night. Lots of fan involvement from everywhere, from a, a Brandon Manning game-used jersey to uh, a Jeff Glass, uh, you know, stick all the way to Patrick Kane autograph stick that he used in a game too. So. Uh, varying degrees but people digging into their pockets and uh want to thank them for that i have to do a a top prospects uh session coming up oh here that's at right four o'clock yeah. where uh we'll have uh chad chris and adam Boquist, nicholas bodin philip kurishev uh, among the others who's going to join us who's my fifth guy there too oh mackenzie Entwistle. so uh, that'll be a part of a four o'clock top prospect session i'll be doing and then uh yeah, I think they do uh, the whole game show thing, or the Second City thing. Oh, yeah. Have a and there's 30 later. minutes left of the, the Kid
1: Reporter panel. I want to see yeah, the little Troy, kids asking and Troy's questions. Yeah, seeing that. So that would be fun. He's, be got to,
0: he's got to get together these little runs to make sure they're not going <laughs> off the charts. So, again, thanks to everybody who uh, showed up. Listen, thanks to all our uh, subscribers as well. And you can continue to follow uh, Scott at at ScottKingMedia on Twitter. Also, his work on... WGNRadio.com is the Chelsea Blogger and NHL.com. You uh, can follow me at, at @BowdenTweets. We'll have much more stuff coming your way throughout the course of the convention. And again, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll have another couple podcasts between now and the start of training camp, which should be during the second week of September for the big training camp festival, in which uh, tickets are already on sale for 5 a apiece coming up uh, the second uh, Sunday, I believe, Saturday or Sunday of uh, the uh, Blackhawks training camp of uh, 14th or the 15th. So again, thanks to everybody for uh, listening to watching and the live stream as well and we'll come at you again in a couple of weeks. We'll let you know via social media on when we have another podcast coming up. Thanks again for listening everyone.